we took a look last week and, and today and next week at some questions about God. And uh, while today's topic doesn't necessarily apply directly to mothers, I have a hunch most every mother here has had a day when you say, oh, come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> so maybe we're, maybe we're closer to the theme of Mother's Day than, than I originally thought we would be. I'm going to be thinking today about when will God come. I would encourage you at some point, uh, hopefully today, but if not today, this week, to read the entire 21st chapter of the book of Luke. I'm not going to do that this morning. Uh, it's, it can be lengthy, but there's a lot there. We're going to simply focus on the verses that will be the center of our attention during the message. So Luke, the 21st chapter, reading verses 25 to 28. Hear the word of the Lord. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, And lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord God, you know what each of us needs to hear. You know where we need to be comforted. You know where we need to be challenged. You know where we need to be pushed. You know where we need to be carried. You know us. And to accomplish your purpose through this word, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The last couple of years have been, if nothing else, unique. None of us could have predicted what all has happened. The barrage of events. The arrival and spread of COVID. All of the political upheaval the rioting and violence in our streets, the the denigrating, destructive incivility, the aggressive, hate-filled personal attacks, war in Ukraine, and the list seems to go on and on. All of this has led to a breakdown in our culture, but also in our family and in our relationships. And it's easy to become tired and worn out. It's easy to get fatigued. We long to be liberated. We want to be liberated from our brokenness and our despair and experience redemption for ourselves and for our relationships. We want a world that is perfect and full of peace. So I'm not surprised at how often during these past couple of years I've heard phrases like, I think it's about time. He's going to come again. When do you think Jesus is going to come? Don't you think we're nearing the end of the times? We keep waiting for God to come yet again. But we're not the first to wonder. The people in Luke's day were wondering the very same thing. And so in his gospel, he included some words of Jesus, which the other gospel writers included as well. Jesus was giving us in the words we read, first of all, a perspective of hope. The Son of Man is coming. Verse 25, there will be signs. Then he lists the signs. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
In the city that was once Constantinople, a man was visiting the mosque of St. Sophia. He stood quietly there, marveling at the breathtaking architecture. It was built as a Christian church, but had long since been converted into a Mohammedan place of worship, and all of the Christian symbols and pictures had been covered over by paint or Arabic lettering. And as he stood there, he, he looked up at the very high ceiling, and his heart all but stopped. The paint of the centuries that had covered up all the pictures was peeling away, and he saw the original image of Jesus beginning to break through. He grabbed the arm of visitor who was next to him, and he said, Look, look, he's coming back. Jesus is, is coming back. What a graphic picture of our day. Yes, he's coming back. Of course he's showing through. We can't wipe him out. We can't erase him. We can't cover him up. We can't make him disappear. He's coming. Through Jesus Christ, God is coming yet again. He has not made his last visit to our world. As we have sung so richly, Jesus alone is our only hope. So let's think a little bit about the significance of of hope this morning. Hope is essential to our lives. It's essential to the human soul and to our psyche. Without hope, we all but die, and we lose our zest and our purpose for living. Hope energizes the day. Think about the young couple who've been married for several years, unable to bear children, apply for adoption, wait several more years for all the process to take place, and now on this day, on this day, they await the phone call to tell them that the journey is over, they'll have their child. Hope energizes the day. Hope also prompts working and dreaming. Picture the young boy, the young man, dribbling the basketball, doing a little shake and bake. I won't do that for you because that would be a good sight, but shaking and baking and then finally dribbling towards the basket and leaping as high as he can with every effort to, to slam like LeBron. Hope, you see, helps working and dreaming. Hope encourages discipline. Listen to the young girl who's just heard her favorite singer sing that song again. And so now she's singing the song because she knows in her heart and mind that someday she too is going to be singing like that. And and so she sings the songs over and over again, not always with clear voice, not always on pitch, but she sings it over and over again. Hope encourages discipline. Hope kindles perseverance. We listen in and to a young husband and wife late in the day chatting on the telephone. He still has two or three hours of work left to do before he can come home, and they so long to be together, but, but they know this is the price to pay for starting their own business, and they hang on because they can taste the day when the business explodes and he can hire help and spend more time at home with his wife and they can be together. Hope kindles their perseverance. Hope also inspires courage. Observe the young couple in front of the sanctuary, in front of family and friends who have gathered together, looking at each other starry-eyed on their wedding day. Hopes of love and glory and success make this the greatest moment of their lives. 
Without that hope, without that hope, they wouldn't dare to enter into that relationship. It is hope that inspires courage. Yes, hope, hope is essential. Some of you may remember, I don't know if the kids still do it or not, but as kids, you'd take a magnifying glass and hold it over a leaf and wait for the sun to get hot enough through the magnifying glass to start the leaf on fire. Well, hope is sort of like that magnifying glass. Hope is that which, which focuses something deep down into our souls which burns and which drives us. As someone said, it is hope that gets us out of bed in the morning and shapes the contours of our day. And truth be told, God's people have always had hope, a very special hope. I think of Jeremiah's time, the nation of Israel was once again in the midst of a great major crisis and under siege. And so Jeremiah recalled a promise that God had made to an earlier generation when they too were in trouble. And he wanted to reassure them that God had not forgotten them, so he recalled that promise, Jeremiah thirty-three fifteen. At that time, I will choose as king a righteous descendant of David. That king will do what is right and just throughout the land. The people of Judah and of Jerusalem will be rescued and will live in safety. The city will be called the Lord our salvation. He said God will come to rescue, to save, and to restore. And yet Jerusalem tumbled. But Jesus, as fulfillment of the promise, came Righteousness arrived in the flesh, and hopes again were raised. And now in Luke's time, Jesus was answering people's questions about the future. And Luke records for us some of those conversations. People wanted to know, when will God come in all of his fullness to restore his kingdom here on the earth? Jesus gave them the answers. But then Jesus died. Their hopes were dashed. They're thinking confused. I think we know what they felt like. It often appears like our world is coming apart at the seams. Human power keeps failing. Nuclear weaponry is on the rise again. The moral and social norms are decaying. Political powers are as separated and polarized as they have ever been. Brutality escalates daily. And you can add so much more to the list. And most of us at some point or another know hopelessness personally as well. The doctor says, you have cancer. At the office, that pink slip carries your name. The officer at the door says, I'm sorry to inform you, your husband, your wife, your daughter... Your son is dead. A loved one cries out, I have cancer. I have COVID. There's that signature on the divorce papers that brings reality home. Reality sinks in. You see the big red F on the final exam and your heart sinks. You go and you you search that list of names on who made the team and you See that your name is not on the roster. You want so desperately to speak up, but you know that people are being banned from speaking and sharing their thoughts in public. You want to quote Scripture, but you know that the Bible no longer seems to be in vogue and it's rejected as authoritative. 
Yes, we, we know what it is to stand on the brink of hopelessness. So we too really want to know when will God come in all of His fullness to usher in His kingdom here on earth? And Jesus gives the answer. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When the whole world is in an uproar, He will come. Which means generation after generation has raised the same question. Is the time near? To be frank, we really don't know. But, since we know Jesus rose from the dead, since He ascended into heaven, and since He's seated on the throne of glory, we know that we are driven by hope. Hope shapes the contours of our days. Pastor Larry Michael told a visiting an elderly woman in his congregation named Mrs. Blackburn, She had been through a lot of adversity and illness and trauma in her life, but she had actually outlived the doctor who said that her illness was terminal. She had tremendous faith, deep confidence in the Lord, and and one day he was talking to her about death, and she said, you know, I'm not really afraid of death. I don't focus on that. Instead, she said she preferred to concentrate on the Bible's promises of Christ's return. She said, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. Isn't that a great perspective to hold? We are driven by hope, even in the midst of a world which often seems hopeless, that despair will come to an end. Degeneration is a part of every generation. So we must not lose ourselves in bemoaning the current state of affairs. Rather, let the times remind us of our need for a Savior. Let them point us to Jesus, because Jesus is asking us to trust Him. When the quakes shake and the mud slides and hundreds are killed and thousands are homeless, when the grieving piles up, when our lives are in radical crisis, when our world is falling apart, Jesus says it's a sign. Something, someone greater is on the way. New life is coming. Redemption will occur. History has a goal that I will be Lord of all, that the day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's coming, he says. See it as an opportunity to focus on me. Trust me, I am your hope. Trust in Jesus is our perspective. Matthew and Mark record these same words of Jesus, but they go on to continue Jesus' teaching about more of the particular signs to look at, whereas Luke gets personal and deals with the now. To him, the now is more important than the future. So Luke teaches us that Jesus offers us, first of all, a position of hope. We can live with purpose. Verse 28, When these things begin to take place, stand up, And lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Stand up. Get busy. Live with a sense of urgency. The life of a disciple is not one of speculation or observation, but of behavior. As I was going over my message earlier this morning, 
the Spirit spoke to me. You know what that's all about. And I thought about when I was in college, and even seminary for that matter, and I, I would know weeks in advance when the test was coming. But you know when I did most of my studying. Some of you have been there the night before, right? And I have a hunch. God said, I know people... And if I tell them when the date's going to be, they're going to wait till the last minute. And I want them ready every day. And I want them to spread it, spread the news so that everyone is ready on the day when I come. He didn't want speculation and observation. He wanted behavior. He wanted a sense of urgency. And so Jesus gives us some instruction on how to behave. He told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. How appropriate for today. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know the kingdom of God is near. And then he gave the application. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. First, we watch. basic idea of that word watch is to be aware of what's happening. Driving in from South Haven today with the budding of the trees, it's easy to say, summer is near. So Jesus says the occurring of these signs reminds us that the Lord's return is near. Watch doesn't mean to stand around and look and wait for signs. It means be awake, be alert, be ready. Don't get caught unprepared. It is so easy for us to get weighted down with the cares and temptations of this life. During difficult times, it is so easy just to want to give up and start living with the unsaved world. So Jesus says, watch, resist, be ready for when Jesus returns. The important thing is that we know Jesus keeps His promises and that His Word will not fail. He will come again. There's a legend that Satan and his demons were having a Christmas party. And as the demonic guests were departing, one of them said to Satan, Merry Christmas, Your Majesty. And Satan responded with a rough growl, Keep it merry, my friend. If they ever get serious about it, we'll all be in trouble. Jesus says, Get serious about it, get passionate. Be on the watch. And the second behavior that Jesus teaches is that we pray. We pray. We pray so that the coming of Jesus will not overwhelm us and the judgment will not overtake us. Hold on to the spiritual dimension of life. Prayer is not so much us getting something from God as it is drawing us closer to God. Listen to what the psalmist said so poignantly in Psalm 91. He will spread His wings over you and keep you secure. His faithfulness is like a shield or a city wall. You won't need to worry about dangers at night or arrows during the day. And you won't fear diseases that strike in the dark or sudden disaster at noon. You will not be harmed though thousands fall around you. And with your own eyes you will see the punishment of the wicked. The Lord Most High is your fortress. Run to Him for safety, and no terrible disasters will strike you or your home. God will command His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will carry you in their arms, and you won't hurt your feet on the stones. Here and here alone is our safety and our strength. 
our behavior of watching and praying puts us into an attitude of anticipation. Be always on the watch. Always pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Anticipate standing before the Lord Jesus Christ and hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your master's happiness. Watching, praying, being faithful in the here and now leads to the rich blessing of our Lord in the hereafter. Our task is to keep standing until the day we bow before him. When the early church, like us, struggled with the question of when will God come? Peter answered, The Lord is not slow to do what he has promised, as some think. Instead, he is patient with you because he does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants all to turn away from their sins. What kind of people should you be? Your lives should be holy and dedicated to God as you wait for the day of God and do your best to make it come soon. While we wonder when God will come, God wonders, when are you going to reach the point when I can finally come? In the 1987 NCAA Regional Basketball Finals, LSU led Indiana by eight points with only a few minutes left in the game. But as is often the danger, LSU began to play a slower game. Even the play-by-play announcer said it appeared as if they were watching the clock instead of continuing to be aggressive. Long story short, Indiana came back, won the game by one point, and went on to win the national championship. I see a parallel there. While Jesus encourages us to be aware of the signs of the times, he clearly calls us to be energetic and faithful, active service. As we await Jesus' promised return, we are not so much to watch the clock as to be diligent servants during the time that we have available. When will God come? Who knows? And in one sense, who cares? The task is the same. Keep living. Jenny Lind, the late great opera star, used to sit alone for a few moments in the quiet of her dressing room before taking the stage for a performance. And then she would strike one clear, vibrant note and hold it as long as she could. And then she would pray, Master, Let me ring true tonight. Let me ring true as thou art true. Ring true. Ring true until he comes. Ring true so that he comes. No matter when he comes, ring true. If you have never given Jesus permission to be the Lord of your life. There is no better time than now so you can start ringing. 
If Jesus is already Lord of your life, there's no better time than now to begin to ring louder, clearer, and stronger than ever before. Stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Let's ring true. Let's pray. Lord God, we believe that you keep your promises, that you are faithful and true, and you will come again, and when you do, every knee, every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every knee and every tongue will confess, some willingly, some grudgingly, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, we long for the day. But Lord, we have work to do. For those who have never said, Lord Jesus, I want you to take over my life. May this be a moment in which they say that to you. Be it here in the sanctuary, be it listening online now or later. Just to say, Lord, take over. I want to be ready. I believe in you. I want to trust you. For those of us, Lord, who have sought to live for you, encourage us, empower us, strengthen us. And as we ring true, make the tones of our ringing clearer and louder than ever before. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.